Welcome back to our weekly podcast. I'm your host, Margaret Pendo, and today I have the honor of introducing you to our fourth president of Franklin University, Professor Gregory Warden. Before coming to Franklin, Professor Warden taught at Bowdoin College, the University of Pennsylvania, and SMU. He will be transitioning on to other endeavors next year, so I'm very excited to be able to show you a glimpse into his life and his story here at Franklin. Also, I'd like to preface that we're out here in the beautiful outdoors outside of President Warden's office, um, so if you do hear anything in the background, just enjoy it as they are the sounds of Lugano. Um, but yeah, officially welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Margaret. No, it's, it's great to be here and it's great to be outdoors and... Uh, Sorry that all of you can only hear this, but uh, it's just a glorious, glorious day out here smelling the jasmine and uh, looking out over the president's lawn, which <laughs> makes me very proud and uh, uh, on this wonderful campus. So it's my yeah. pleasure. Yeah. Uh, well, the pleasure is mine, Professor. So let's just get into it. So like I mentioned, you taught at University of Pennsylvania and you also graduated there with a bachelor's in anthropology. Something that I recently found out and really would love to more know more about is that you actually received a wrestling scholarship while at UPenn. And I was wondering if you could tell us more about that. Happy to tell you more about that. Uh, it actually wasn't a scholarship because it's Penn is Ivy League. Right. And they don't give schol athletic scholarships. So, I, but but I was recruited uh, for the wrestling team, uh, and uh, uh, yes, I was <laughs> a heavyweight wrestler. And I will say that I'm probably the only university president that at one point was offered a professional wrestling contract. Really? So, yeah. I mean, no. I mean, when you, you know, I must say, professional wrestling is all fake, and it's it's. It's fun, it's, though. It's performance, yes. But <laughs> so that, that's a uh, yes. So. Uh, yeah, I, I was uh, I was an athlete as a, as, as an undergraduate, and uh, uh, one of the best things that happened to me, actually, it sounds weird now, was that I uh, got hurt uh, my sophomore year. I, uh, I uh, ruptured a disc in my back, which put an end to my wrestling career. I had an operation, but it was great because I was so competitive, I didn't know what to compete in, and then I started competing in terms of studies. So I got serious about... Uh, uh, about things and about anthropology, and uh, it was uh, it was it was good for me in a way. But uh, uh, it was uh, it was a good experience as an undergraduate. Yeah, it's definitely something cool to throw in at the dinner table. Hey, yes. yeah, I used to. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Well, that actually brings me to my next um, point of interest: is your passion in um, Greek, Etruscan, and Roman archaeology. And I mean, like you mentioned, you did transition because of an injury, but. What else drew you to that area of archaeology specifically? Well, it was something, this is actually an interesting story, and I think it's interesting for undergraduates to hear this, because I went to Penn to major in international relations. Uh, I'd always been interested in archaeology. I grew up in Italy and in Tuscany, so my, and my father was, uh, was always, you know, read books on archaeology, loved it, and told me about it, and I he took me to museums. So I'd always had a great interest in it, but I never realized somehow it didn't dawn on me that this could be a career, that this is something that you could do, you know, seriously. And uh, so when I went to Penn, I was majoring in what I thought I should be majoring in, which was international relations. I was interested in, you know, diplomacy, State Department, those sorts of things. And uh, what happened was that I realized that I, and, and this is not to be Let's not tell Professor Motale this or some of the other IR people. It just wasn't for me. Uh, I was going to these classes and I was taking notes and I was going, oh, yeah, another class. And suddenly, at the end of my freshman year, I somehow, you know, I guess we mature in strange ways. A, 
of light bulb went off in my head. And I said, you know, what I really love is archaeology. And here I'm at Penn, which is famous for archaeology. It's got this great university museum, amazing collections. It's been doing archaeology since the 19th century, biblical archaeology, Mediterranean archaeology, New World archaeology, all these amazing resources. And I thought, I can do that. You know, let's, let's do it. And at that point, uh, there wasn't uh, an archaeology major for undergraduates. It was anthropology, which was actually great, great training uh, for me because anthropology is very broad. It's very uh, interesting methodologically, theoretically. Uh, anyway, that somehow I, uh, I had a moment of inspiration and changed over and just loved it, never looked back. Uh, it was just, after that, it was all fun. So I guess the message is don't do what you think you should be doing. Do what you know, the old cliche is find your passion. Yeah. Uh, and if you can find that passion, just do it. Don't worry about, is there going to be a job at the end of the four years? Or do I have to go to graduate school? How long will it take? If you love it, just do it. Yeah, no, I really like that idea. And actually, I mean, it turned out really well for you. It's brought you so much, you know, um, interesting knowledge across the years. Recently, in 2011, I believe you were um, anointed as the knight honor with a knight honor in italy yeah which... i was given this uh it, i was given this cavaliere title exactly. yes uh of the order of the of the star of italy um and it was just a wonderful award to receive uh it came out of nowhere this thing turned up in the mail and it was really because of it's an award that's given for people who who do things to promote the culture or other aspects of, of Italy. And I had just finished a huge exhibit on the Etruscans, which are my passion within a passion. Yeah. Uh, and uh, working with the, uh, the Italian ministry and so on. And then, you know, the excavations that I've done for the last 20, 20 to 30 years. Uh, and that, uh, that actually became, the excavations are interesting. Uh, they became, you know, because the excavation I was doing at SMU became a Franklin excavation. Yeah. So, and we made some remarkable discoveries. So the award was really kind of a, a an acknowledgement of, of, of that kind of uh, cultural work that I had done over, uh, over many years. Yeah, it's super cool. And what, I mean, can you describe the feeling of what it's like to be able to uncover, you know, languages, rituals, alphabets of people ages ago. It's, it's huge fun. And I will tell you, there's a lot of, of archaeology that is excruciatingly boring. <laughs> you can be digging there for days, uh, and then you, and you, but you never know when that key thing is going to turn up. And sometimes you don't know what that key thing is, even as it turns up. You discover things in the lab or uh, just a little bit later. Sometimes you know that something is super important and it's going to change the discipline. And we'd had that event in 2015 uh, when a, a Franklin student uh, excavated, discovered, uh, you know, the longest inscription in Etruscan that's ever been found on oh, stone. Oh, that was a Franklin student. That was a Franklin Samuel, wow. yes. Uh, was a, that was a Franklin student who lovingly excavated, and it was only when we turned this great big huge stone over that we be began to see the inscriptions on it. And then we realized, wow, this is, and we could see how long it was, and these things are so rare, we realized we had found just uh, one of those great finds. And in fact, I think it was one of these you know, science news things later on, you know, it's a, one of the finds that will change history, and they went 
viral on the internet and we're still trying to figure the thing out. It's great fun that way too. Because, yeah. So we knew then uh, that that was a huge discovery. Uh, another time, I think it was 2011 or so, uh, we had a student who discovered something that we didn't know was important at the time. It was a little piece of pottery that it turned out had a stamp on it, a decoration on it, that was a scene of childbirth, wow. probably sacred childbirth. It was the earliest at the time, was the earliest scene of childbirth in Mediterranean European art. Really interesting in terms because it was connected to the cult there and to, you know, at, at this sanctuary we were digging. So that was remarkable. We, the, that was only noted by our ceramic expert in the laboratory when it was cleaned because we knew it was decorated, so we didn't touch it when it came up. And it went down, and then we went, wow. And actually, when he told me what this, what he thought it was, I said, you're kidding. No, it's not. You know, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, look at it again, you know, kind of, kind of thing. Um, so, that, yeah, that's, that's the other kind of moment that comes. Uh, and, and, you know, we have those moments still now, even after this excavation ended six years later, we're still studying thing and dis things and discovering things and finding things out. Yeah, that's super cool. And I mean, that's amazing that you're able to build such a relationship cross cultures with Franklin SMU and this, um, you know, place in order to excavate and find more information. That's really amazing. Yeah. Collaboration is key here. And, uh, you know, this was a project that had seven universities, uh, was working with an English university, was working with the University of Florence eventually as well. Uh, and this is one of the things I never teach you in graduate school. Actually, they don't teach you two things in graduate school. They don't teach you how to teach, <laughs> which is something you discover when you suddenly start doing it afterwards, and you hope that you love it. Uh, and they don't teach you how to organize, how to manage. Big, you know, we had 60, 70 people working in the field every year. We had a laboratory to set up. We had grants to get. We had we had an operations manager who had to actually run uh, the whole the whole organization, the field school and everything else. So uh, it was actually very good training to be a dean or to be a president because yeah. it really required uh, working with people and collaborating with other institutions. Yeah, no, I, and I feel like that's super representative of Franklin as well, just this idea of constant collaboration. And I, that's really interesting. And kind of touching on Franklin, um, especially during this time, it's been super interesting being a part of the graduating class during COVID, you know, hopefully transitioning out of COVID. But um, I was wondering if you could tell us more about how you felt about everything COVID related and how Franklin's, how you felt about Franklin's response as, as an institution. Okay, I'm going to brag a bit. I'm going to be <laughs> the university president here because I'm going to mention that just about a week ago, we were ranked number four in the globe by worry for crisis management. That's pretty and, uh, and everybody gets credit for it. Certainly, uh, Dean SSB gets huge credit for it because she was the one who messaged and did so much work. But the whole institution gets credit. Uh, all, all the staff, all the faculty who had to transition to technologies that they didn't particularly love, and we you know, we'd all much rather teach in face-to-face in -face than with technology. But, you know, and the students, I'm so proud of us. And uh, everybody pulled together. I think this is, you know, uh, you as a graduating senior and the rest of the graduating class have been absolutely wonderful. You've all shown great leadership, uh, great responsibility, 
the fact that we, now I'm bragging again, that we didn't have anyone sick this spring. We didn't have one person on campus who got uh, the virus shows that we did the right, a lot of it was luck, there's no question about it, but we also did all the right things. So I am very proud of us. I think I'm also, I think we were lucky, but I think also being a small institution, we, ha we, we were able to be nimble and to do things that the big ones could not. So that was great as well. But I think we also have a kind of student here that other universities don't. We have students who are, you know, very responsible, who are very individualistic, who are very well-traveled, very worldly. Uh, and I am um, just so proud of you. And I'm very, I think this is just an exceptional senior class. And one of the reasons is because we've all kind of been forged in this very difficult uh, moment. So yay Franklin on this one and yay all of you too. Yeah, so, yeah it, uh, it, it is, uh, it, I mean, there's no question it was difficult. It was trying. I think we're, you know, we're all going to feel the stress of this kind of thing for years to come. The whole globe is for sure. Yeah. But um, I think we can be proud. Yeah, definitely. And like I mentioned before, you're slowly transitioning onto a new endeavors and, and, and leaving Franklin. And I was wondering if you've thought about what kind of legacy you hope to leave at Franklin and for Franklin. Uh, a couple of legacies. One, as, as I sit here and I look at the crane <laughs> across, across the way here from this wonderful table here at the, outside the college campus, uh, I, I, that, that new building yeah, uh, is uh, is going to, in a way, complete our campus. It's going to have more residences uh, of our own for students that we can control, and you know, uh, it's going to have uh, modern classrooms that are flexible. Which, yeah. as wonderful as these old villas are, you know, you can't take down the walls. They're yeah. they're a certain format, and that's it. Uh, it's going to have a student center, and I'm very proud of this. That it's all about the students, the student center, the student life areas, so on. So. There's a tangible kind of bricks and mortar kind of legacy yeah. uh, there. The more intangible legacy, I think, is of a flexible, collaborative institution with a certain set of values. I kept, kept emphasizing that we're really not an American institution. We are a Swiss institution, and we're very, very global. And we really do believe in those Swiss values of being collaborative, of civil discourse. And I think those things are more important than ever now. We, we yeah. see this very, I mean, we're, it's great to be in this little part of the world here, but God, the place, the globe is getting more and more contentious. Uh, and those values, I think, are really, really important. And when I came here, we, uh, we revised the mission statement so that they, we were really talking about the students, the product here, and creating leaders who are collaborative uh, and who are ethical. And so I'm, I'm very proud of that part of it. I think, you know, as I look at your class, I think that's exactly what we uh, uh, wanted uh, to do. And the other part is, I think, in terms of being collaborative, creating partnerships globally. Mm -hmm. We now have partnerships in Asia. Uh, we have created partnerships in uh, the U.S. Some of them were just because we need the enrollment and we're a tiny little place and we need students. Others were really to enhance uh, what's available. So things like the Emerson Mm -hmm. a partnership uh, which you know you can do a two plus two you can take advantage of their great professional programs and connect it to our own uh, strength in the liberal arts those kinds of things are um, what we're uh, what we're working on and I think I'm very proud of that and there are a couple more I hope to have finished 
before the end of this year that I can't mention now because <laughs> uh, there, uh, there was one yesterday where I was talking to a university president about something I think will be very, very exciting. Uh, but again, it's not about just getting enrollment. It's about creating uh, real possibilities for our own uh, students. Yeah, that's really exciting. It's exciting also being such a small institution. You really get to know the students and get to know what they want and need. So that's really amazing. And you mentioned the new building. Mm -hmm. And I know that you actually played a huge role in designing the garden space. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more well, about The that. garden is this uh, great gift that we have been given to create uh, a wellness garden. Um, and uh, uh, by from one of our alumni, uh, from an alumna, uh, and uh, it's just a great idea, and I am really excited about it. I just love the idea, and I love the metaphor also of the garden as as a, as a book. So we're uh, we're talking about creating a very natural kind of landscape, very sustainable landscape, using remainders from quarries and things like mm -hmm. that for the for the benches. Uh, and for, you know, to have, again, natural elements throughout, to have special kinds of trees that are, that uh, represent health uh, in, in various ways. Uh, and, uh, and then to have it, I'm hoping to have, you know, maybe we can start a garden club here and have students actually uh, connect, uh, instead of having a lot of signs and things like that, have QR codes so that you can actually have a kind of digital book that you go into as you go through the garden to learn about all the different parts of it, uh, uh, and, and, and what it means. And the centerpiece of the garden is going to be a Franklin tree. Nice. Yeah, because there is such a thing. It's extinct in the wild. Wow. It's the, it, 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 it can be found in, uh, in gardens. And uh, I think, you know, what, what better thing? Than, and, it's, and it's a member of the tea family. So it's also a good, healthy nice. kind of thing. So, um, yeah. That's that's exciting. the plan, and I'm, I'm you know, and the good news is that we're going to have it all planted. It may not be f fully grown out, but planted by the end of this coming academic that's year. That's really exciting. Yeah. That'll be fun to symbolically watch the tree grows as Franklin also continues to grow and expand, especially with this new building. That's really exciting. I didn't know that there is a Franklin tree. Who knew? Actually, my wife discovered it. We were going through. We've been visiting botanical gardens here in the pandemic because those are safe places you can go yeah. to, and so on. And suddenly, we came across something called Franklinia, and I went, hmm, "Franklinia, what's that?" And we looked it up, and there it was—a Franklin tree. It's it's got beautiful flowers as well. So That's it's a it's a it's a lovely thing, and uh, and I'm sure that you know we get suggestions from students too. I hope about what should go in the garden. How? Yeah, and as, as, I will look up a look up a photo and link a link in the, to in the Franklin tree. description yes. yeah, so yeah. that people can check it out. Yeah, It's actually funny you mentioned botanical gardens. I was just speaking with Professor Hale about his involvement with the botanical gardens mm -hmm. and how the botanical gardens are also somewhat like a book. Like you learn about all these different places through the plants that are brought to the botanical garden. So that's really funny. Yeah, and you know, and, and the ones I've been to usually have just a sign, you know, yeah. and you, then you have got to look it up on the mm -hmm. on the internet and try to figure it out if you've got connectivity and so on. So I hope that our garden will be a, a really a, a fun, two things, a fun place to explore and also a place just to go sit. And Yeah, it'll be really nice to have such a communal space that's outdoors and very relaxing. And private to Franklin too, yeah, so exactly. our, own, our own space. Yeah, yeah I, I'm really excited for the future students. I almost wish I was staying to see the fruits of everyone's labor, but I'll be back. 
we have graduate programs. I'll just mention that <laughs> in the podcast. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I never miss an opportunity, but we do have <laughs> great graduate programs in climate action and food industry <laughs> and things like that. So, yeah, yeah, and well, you're actually going to Geneva with the graduate program this weekend. Yes. Do you want to tell us more about that? Well, we're going to, you know, we've got this wonderful connection to UNITAR, to the United Nations, and uh, we've got graduate students who have been working on climate action. And we all know how important that is for the future. I mean, the number one priority is uh, the environment. So uh, uh, I'm very excited about what they're uh, what they're going to show. Uh, yeah. And uh, and our graduate programs are all kind of in. You know, we have we don't have a whole lot, but they're all about things that are very current, like food industry, climate action, uh, data transformation, uh, cultural heritage. Uh, things of that sort. So they fit our mission very, very nicely. So we've had students who have come back after a few years and uh, and decided to do a, a graduate program. So yeah. the option but, is there. But you can just come back anyway and exactly and enjoy the garden. Yeah, yeah. and and you're yeah. always welcomed by the Franklin family to come back. Definitely. The Franklin family, indeed. Yes, yeah. that is that is the the metaphor, and uh, it absolutely. I think that's that's the nice thing about a small place where we all know each other. And I've one of the things I have loved about Franklin is. Uh, being able to connect to students, being able to teach a course, teach a first year seminar occasionally, and things of that sort, which you know is not so easy to do at a bigger university if you're the president. Yeah, no, definitely, it's a wonderful opportunity. And kind of looking towards the future as you transition out out of this presidency, what what's your next plan? Do you have? Are you moving somewhere? What's what can people expect to see from you in the coming months, years? Well, uh, Diane and I are going to move back to Texas. To nice. Dallas, uh, I am, you know, I have a kind of place there as a university uh, uh, emeritus professor there at SMU. So I have my email, my access to the library and research and so on. I have a lot of publishing to do. I got a lot of book projects that I that I promised had put off <laughs> for years now. It's embarrassing uh, that you know I've got to get on those, and I've got a couple of. Uh, of things lined up for uh, for what I can do because my my you know my great interests are teaching, their uh, research, and also uh, cultural heritage as well as archaeology. So, and I think the future really is about preserving our heritage. And so I'm passionate about that. I want to do things uh, of uh, of that sort. So, but I'm also going to stay very much connected to Franklin uh, and uh, going to tell the next president that if there's anything I can do from from Texas or from the U.S., I'm happy to help. You know, uh, you know, tell people about Franklin because it's time we stop being, you know, the best kept secret. Uh, yeah. We are too good uh, to uh, to remain a secret anymore. Yeah, no, I, I like that idea. Um, well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's really been wonderful to get a little insight to your life, um, and I wish you the best in your move to Texas and your next phase in the coming year. Um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you. No, it's been great and uh, we'll stay in touch, I hope. Yes, yeah. definitely. Cheers. Cheers.